The all-out war between Scott Wagner and Paul Mango on Inside Story next. Good morning, everyone. I'm Matt O'Donnell. It is Sunday, April 15, 2018. It is time for Inside Story. Let us meet our panelists of the week. George Burrell, nonprofit executive. Good morning, Matt. Morning, George. Sam Katz, filmmaker. Hello, Sam. Rich Nagrin, attorney. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, and it is my pleasure to introduce Allison Young, a political strategist. Her first time. She's joining us here on the panel for Inside Story. Good morning, Allison. Good morning, Matt. Quick Thanks. thing about you, uh, special assistant to President George W. Bush. It's good to have you here. And let's begin the primary battle between Pennsylvania gubernatorial hopeful Scott Wagner and Paul Mango has escalated into a full-on parking lot brawl. Mango and Wagner have been battling over the claim as the conservative standard bearer for the GOP in the race. Attack ads from Mango have called Wagner, the Republican-endorsed candidate, a slumlord. Sleazy, toxic, greedy. Wagner has called Mango a phony, an outsourcer of jobs, a true liberal. Maybe the worst thing you can call someone, right, on the Republican side. And even dispatched his daughter to call Mango a disgrace. It's gotten to the point where the state GOP chair has asked Mango to pull some of his ads. And then the third person in the GOP race lawyer laura ellsworth who's like hey i'm over here said both wagner and mango sullied our election in their race to the bottom so allison where do we even start to talk about this <laughs> you know is a as a Republican, it's a challenging election for sure. You know, running against an incumbent, Governor Wolf's approval ratings are good enough. But th these two candidates, uh, or the three candidates that are running, couldn't be, they're all very, very different. The thing that's, you use the word sleazy to describe it, and the thing that's sleazy about this campaign is that this reeks of desperation. The Mango campaign is down by 26 points right now, and that's what this ad is coming out of a place of desperation. And it's really challenging to, for Republicans right now to try to parse this election and go, why are we showing up if all we're doing is uh, tearing each other apart? And unfortunately, that's where the Mango campaign should be spending time is getting turnout, and instead they're turning people off. You think Wagner's taking the bait here from Mango? This is an election which is a poster child for recruiting people to politics. Why anybody <laughs> would want to get into it after you watch Why this. Why not to do it, right? Exactly. Uh, the, I think the whole thing is irrelevant in a lot of ways because the November elections, no matter what office you're running for, are going to be about one thing. It's going to be about Donald Trump. The election will be a referendum. As Allison says, uh, Tom Wolf, who looked uh, DOA a couple years ago as a re-election prospect, has recovered his numbers. Uh, the budget will pass rather easily, so there won't be that fight. We haven't seen any big tax increases. And I think this will be a turnout election. And as we've seen in Western Pennsylvania and we've seen in Chester County, Democrats are coming out. So I don't think these sleazeball ads are going to matter. A couple of guys have experienced running campaigns here. At the end of the day, politics is a contact sport. Uh, and I think, you know, Wagner set the table for what uh, Mango's doing now. The, and, and guys who are behind, women who are behind, go negative. That's just the nature of the beast. That's the fastest way to catch up. It's an interesting ad uh, that, that, you know, it, it sticks in your mind once you see it. But I think that it's unfair for the party to suggest that Mango should pull his negative ads where they said, we, we saw this, we knew these facts when we endorsed our candidate. Well, if they knew it, then the public has a right to know it also. And Mango has a right to do it. And uh, at the end of the day, and I also think that, 
there's enough time between the end of a primary season and the general election season. This stuff only continues if the Democrats decide to put it on television in the fall. I guess the, the lucky thing for Republicans is the primary gives is rather early compared to a lot of states, gives them a lot of time to reform their candidate's image. Matt, you know, I do think this is different, though, because we've seen negative ads in the general election before. You rarely see this kind of vitriol in a primary between two folks in the same party. I think it's an indication of where our politics are. You know, calling him a deadbeat dad, right, and and talking about child support. This is really disturbing, I think, in terms of where we are as a country. Respected political pollster Larry Sabato has shifted his forecast of the PA gubernatorial race, the general, to likely Democratic, meaning he thinks Governor Tom Wolf, who has been facing criticism for being in the shadows at times, for backing off his early demands for uh, tax hikes to fund education, will win a second term. And so the thought here is that Governor Wolf right now is just sitting back and saying, I'm just going to let these guys go at it. And Terry Madonna's most recent poll, I think, shows Trump's numbers in Pennsylvania uh, having pretty much tanked. Uh, he won the state, obviously. And uh, as I said, I really, I really believe that what people are going to be talking about is where are you on Trump? Where are you on immigration? Where are you on nuclear threats? Where are you on trade? And all of those issues will permeate the general election, even for the state legislative season. What are people really talking about in politics today other than Donald Trump? So I, I, I see the general election as being a very tough climb uh, for Republicans. And obviously with these congressional districts, which I suspect we'll talk about, uh, the reapportionment that has been created looks like sensible districts that will, be, will create competitiveness where for the last 20 years there really hasn't been. Whether it's Wagner, whether it's uh, Mango, whether it's Ellsworth, Allison, what do you think the big issue is that Republicans are going to go after Governor Wolf when they get to the campaign? You know, one of the, it's not a cakewalk for Governor Wolf right now, for sure. Um, you know, he does have the, a major challenge in the lieutenant governor's seat. And, you know, we've seen so many uh, Democratic candidates step up to primary Mike Stack, so the sitting lieutenant governor. So uh, it's, it's certainly not a cakewalk for Governor Wolf. And I think that's one of the things that's going to be very challenging for him is to um, kind of gain support and unify the party when they can't even determine, they can't even support the incumbent. Make, make Democrats governor. excited, basically. Yeah. Right? Okay. But I, I, I do think he has the, the benefit of the fact that character and integrity are going are making a difference yeah. to voters now and i think he has that he has that platform to himself right now it's gonna be hard for wagner or mango one of those guys to get into that space now we know house speaker paul ryan is only the latest republican to announce he's done with congress he's not running for re-election we already knew that ryan costello who represents suburban philadelphia in the sixth congressional district has dropped his re-election bid, which happened right after, as you mentioned, the, the redrawing of the congressional districts in PA. National Republican Congressional Committee Chairman Steve Stivers criticized Costello's decision, saying he lacked the intestinal fortitude to deal with the new maps, adding he should have stuck in there and fought. I think he would have won. Rich, do you think Costello could have won? And is it unfair for a national committee person to attack someone when so many Republicans have basically done the same thing for reasons that are very similar to Costello's predicament? I think Costello was ripe for criticism because of kind of how he did what he did. I think if he had gotten out earlier and decided that he wasn't going to do this, he would have given the party an opportunity to put up a strong candidate and actually run a competitive election. He did it so badly and so late 
um, which is which drew criticism not just nationally but here because he left the party in a lurch. Um, I happen to be happy about that, so <laughs> um, I'm not sure he would have been successful regardless. But I think now it pretty much guarantees it's going to be a Democratic seat. Allison, what are your thoughts on that? You know that um, what Rich said is true about you know putting leaving the party in a lurch, and the timing of it was uh, is really challenging. Um, and you know I think our the local the state party chairman Val Giorgio has said multiple times it's 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 challenging, but it's not just Ryan Costello. It's uh, so many people like Paul Ryan saying, you know what, it's time. Um, you know, this is a, Paul Ryan stepping down is a is a pity. He's a man of um, integrity, and you know, even Democrats like the man. And we need more people like that in Congress. I don't begrudge anyone your politics, but as a man, he's a civil um, leader. He's uh, he's a man of integrity, and he's genuinely trying to do the right thing. We're losing people like that from Congress. That's the real shame. This is the albatross of Donald Trump. Uh, I hate to be repetitive, but it seems to me that Ryan got out of the race late, in part because the issue of the Supreme Court's decision to take the case in Pennsylvania came very late. Could he have done it two weeks sooner? Yes. But that's, as that's about as soon as it could have happened and still have made sense. He couldn't win. I, I don't know about these gentlemen, but because they've all run for public office, this guy won a couple. I know how hard it is to get out of bed in the morning when you know you're going to lose. And if you have a family and you have other things in life, politics is not the be-all and the end-all. And Ryan Costello is a young guy, and this is a, there's a reapportionment coming in two years. Now, he may not be the favorite of the party, but he was a rising star, and there will be a future for him, just like there will probably be a future for Paul Ryan. Mm. Sit on the bench a couple years, and then you're back in the game, and, right? And, and I think that, that yeah, could he have made the decision sooner, but I think there are a whole bunch of people right now continuing to wonder about whether they want to be in this mess. And it's not, it's not just, you know, because now it's all about power. It's not about positions. or It's all about power. And, and it's all about Donald Trump. And pe people don't want to defend that. And it's fascinating that, that the Republicans are being controlled in a significant way by Donald Trump's power within the party, which is going to cause them to lose the majority in the House. Mm. <laughs> and it's a fascinating dilemma. Uh, that that uh, because they don't want primary challenges. We're meeting priorities constantly coming out of the White House. How do you get something done in Congress? And I think that's one of the things that Paul Ryan We were Ryan talking on the way in that this is about primaries. Trump controls the party, but if you go against Trump, you're going to get primary. And if you're going to lose the primary, that's a that's a real problem. <laughs> but the the fact of the matter is that they've hitched their star to a guy who's going to drag them down in November. Let me wrap this discussion up by, uh, I know we've mentioned uh, G. Terry Madonna already, in his latest politically uncorrected column, and this is a quote, virtually every independent national political analyst believes Pennsylvania to now be the epicenter of political forces about to unleash a blue wave of Democratic victories across the nation. And I've heard other quotes from Republicans saying, it's time to break the glass. I know we're picking on Allison here, she's new, <laughs> uh, but do you see a tidal wave coming and it, and it originating in Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania is definitely, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that there's a tidal wave coming. I know that, I do think that we're gonna see a shift. I think that the, you know, the new maps are pretty unfavorable for Republicans. Nobody can, uh, nobody can argue that, I think. Um, so all eyes will be on Pennsylvania. What I, what I can say is that there will be a ton of national money spent in Pennsylvania, and I think the campaigns are gonna be ugly. It's always good for TV. Man, I don't think it's, tidal, I don't think it's a tidal wave. I think it's a tsunami. tsunami. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it's coming. I think it's coming not just in Pennsylvania, but across the state. I think you're watching these kids in Parkland in Florida getting a young generation fired up. In 2020, 90 million of our millennials are going to be eligible to vote. They're going to vote, and they're going to vote Democrat.
And Democrats, also Democrats are not worried about dancing yeah. in the end zone before the touchdown the, the, is scored. The, 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 though, other right? thing that, the other thing, and, and I, I, I agree with Allison, I think conservatives have a right to be conservative. They don't have to think like yeah. me. They do have to have integrity, but I think that Donald Trump has really, really killed them because he, people believe that when he became president, he would settle, the pressure and the, of being president yeah. would change him, and it hasn't. And, and people are frustrated by that immensely. He feels worse than he did in the campaign in, in terms of how his demeanor, his language, the way he treats yeah. people, the way he talks about and to people, and the incivility of the Trump uh, uh, administration and Trump's personal life and personal uh, involvement in politics, I think, has turned the country off. But I don't think it's turned off Democrats. The deadline to register with a party to vote in the primary election in PA is tomorrow, so that is your deadline. A New Jersey vaccination bill would make religious exemptions more difficult. Lawmakers in the Garden State in the State Assembly have approved a bill that would require people seeking a religious exemption for getting a vaccination for their children to submit a letter explaining how vaccines violate their faith. Now, scientific studies have never found a link between vaccines and conditions like autism. Plus, not getting vaccines for diseases like the measles can put entire communities at risk for outbreaks. And yet, plenty of opponents, some of who were shouting at lawmakers during a hearing, were saying, quote, you are going to hell and are calling the bill an intrusion of their privacy. What do you think about this one, Rich? You know, this is a difficult issue, right? It's religious freedom versus public health and public safety, especially when it comes to our kids. There's been no scientific link. You said it, Matt. Kids need to get their vaccinations. I'm okay with the standards. I, I don't know that um, that we should require them on the on religious grounds to explain their religious their religion to us and explain their reasons. I think it's a little petty and a little bit, uh, uh, you know, punishing parents. But I do think it's important that we send a message out there that kids need to get their vaccinations. The person who is proposing this legislation is Herb Conaway, an assemblyman who is a doctor. And then on the other hand, you have Jenny McCarthy, who is a reality star, and people seem to want to listen to what she has to say, which is the opposing view, believing that vaccines cause autism. Well, it's hard to make the case on a lot of the issues that are in the public square today that relate to science, because there are so many deniers about the consensus that scientists have about a variety of things. But on the matters of religious decisions by families and parents particularly, it's really hard for the government to be imposing its will on people who have a faith-based belief that is entirely different than the public policy. And I think that's why Rich calls it difficult. I mean, it's, it's a moral issue to the people who are raising it. It's a health issue on the other side. And I think it's like everything else that we deal with that has a moral component to it. Someone's morality is theirs, and they're entitled to it. And I think our Constitution provides certain rights to them to have those positions. Yeah, the, the, the worry is that it's really not a moral position for some people. It's just something they read on the Internet, and they, they feel this is what they want to do. Well, you're, you have a right to be ignorant in this country. That's, <laughs> but I do, think, I do think there is, there is a responsibility to determine that. I, I think people, we shouldn't question people's religious values. I agree with that. But there is, but the notion that you can just claim religion as the reason for it and you're allowed to get the exemption, I think it does require, because there are health concerns that balance, and the Constitution requires us to balance those competing interests. Right back with Inside Story after this break. 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. We are back with Inside Story. Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg testifies before Congress over the course of two days, over the course of 10 hours. And 
What we've determined out of this is this. Some lawmakers who questioned him do not use or maybe even understand Facebook. Facebook investors seem unconcerned about any fallout as the stock price actually spiked during Zuckerberg's testimony and that there are no firm plans by Facebook or government regulators to truly take charge of the social network beast that is now 14 years old. So, Sam, your assessment of the Zuckerberg testimony. When Orrin Hatch asks Mark Zuckerberg, how do you make money if you don't charge your customers? You know everything you need to know about the level of understanding that the United States Congress has about technology. Zuckerberg's answer was quite great. He says, we take ads. <laughs> so, and that's, the, the problem here is that this, th that we have this old generation of people in a, in a regulatory environment, the United States Congress, trying to figure out a technology that is so far beyond their capacity to understand that there's nothing that's going to happen, despite the fact that Facebook was a platform for Russian intrusion in our elections. And Which that, never came up during the hearings. Because nobody did. understands how that could be done. I, it, it was a disgrace. And the fact that the younger people who work for these senators couldn't, over a 48 or 72 hour period, string together enough thoughtful questions that might actually have produced information that could be used in legislation or regulation, I thought that was a travesty. Georgia, actually some people suggested that the staffers should have been the ones who were asking the questions <laughs> and they during they probably should have. But the, the bigger concern for me though is that even with the, with the modern day thinkers at the table, if you got them at the table, we're still 20, 30 years away from figuring this all out. We really don't, uh, even the smart people don't, even the Zuckerbergs who may not be motivated by it, but we figuring out how to mod regulate this technology and the use of it we're, we're, I bet you, a decade or two away from figuring all that out and the dangers that we see of what you just said, interference in our elections. Do you, you think, Rich, that Mark Zuckerberg truly wants to make his social network be something that people look at and say, you know, that is bringing people together? They, they figured it out, and now we can revere Facebook again. Yeah, look, I think he has good intentions, right? But when he was asked certain key questions, he just couldn't answer. If you watch Kamala Harris go at him during her entire time, one of the biggest concerns <coughs> I had was he couldn't answer the basic question about what happens to the data when the people log off Facebook, that whether it could still be monitored by folks. Folks could be tracking what you're doing on your devices, even when you're outside of Facebook because of an app inside of Facebook. That is such an invasion of our privacy as an organization and Facebook has a real responsibility. If you're going to have personal data on there and you're going to have, have it be password protected, you have to make sure that it's safe and that it's not being utilized or abused by countries like the Soviet, you know, Russia uh, uh, during elections. What do you see, uh, what do you think the chances are, Allison, of there being some form of regulation because Republicans control Congress right. and they are not always so apt to try and enforce new regulations on American businesses. It's, it's a great question. It's, it's, a, it's a brilliant way to uh, look at how Facebook managed this hearing because, you know, if you, if you see the hearing, behind him, Mark Zuckerberg has Joel Kaplan and Mariah Jordan, former West Wing colleagues of mine who are like the lobbyist dream team. They created a perfect hearing. I disagree with Rich that he couldn't answer questions, that Zuckerberg couldn't answer questions. I think he was coached perfectly to be deferential. It was always yes, Senator, no, Senator. It was never yes, no. There was no, no big grandstanding moments, which is what hearings are about. The hearings are about the senators, not about the person testifying. I worked on Capitol Hill for a couple of years. This was political theater, and it was managed brilliantly and perfectly to answer questions, be deferential, and get back to California. It was, it, it's, as far as hearings go, I think this one went very, very well for Facebook because his, his team also was smart enough to take the pulse of the members of Congress before 
Uh, they showed up on Capitol Hill, and they know that the chance of the regulation is very, very slim. Good for Facebook, but not good for the American people, I would say. As a, as a whole, the social network is not good for America. Uh, no, I don't say that. I, I, look, the, the idea that Facebook is the only way you can get data, if you're a campaign and you're smart, you can get into somebody's uh, browser, and if they don't wipe out the cookies that they're traces of, of searches, you can actually deliver ads to them, which is the whole point, that, that correlate highly to their own search habits and the things that they care about. That's how Chris Christie, who in his first election, was able to take the breast cancer issue, which was working against him, and deliver ads about his own concerns about breast cancer to so many voters and win an election by 80,000 votes. So, but this is the, the whole idea of privacy and the internet is a joke. And if privacy matters, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or any, anything, we do not have any means to protect privacy. And I think, frankly, we're probably, that, that horse is out of the barn and gone so far down the track, it's gone. Some people have, everyone seems to have an idea of how to fix Facebook. One is to make people pay for it. That, you know, you pay for Netflix, you get really good entertainment. You pay for Spotify, you get great access to really good songs. Pay for Facebook. Somebody will come along with a free version. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I think, you know, is there, you know, if people were paying for it, maybe Facebook would have a greater sense of responsibility to, uh, uh, to, their, to their customers. I think at the end of the day, it's a little bit like, you know, corporate America responds to shareholder value. <laughs> Even though we, the community, pay for it, because shareholder value is what determines their income and their, their, mm -hmm. their, mm -hmm. their longevity, they, they face that. And I think that Facebook, despite their, cons their articulated concerns about privacy and security, are more concerned about getting ads. Zuckerberg went online on, t on TV and said, if we're going to have that kind of protection, it's going to be a paid service. That mm -hmm. is to protect your privacy. Side stories of the week coming up. <laughs> Six ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Inside Stories of the Week, we start with George. I want to acknowledge and encourage Renee Chanel Fatah, who's beginning a new world in the documentary world and is doing one on Alzheimer's and its impact upon African Americans. And so I wish her good luck. Thank you, George. Sam? Thursday night, the next episode of Philadelphia The Great Experiment at 7.30 on 6ABC. And I would like to encourage people to visit the website, The Philadelphia Citizen, and read Larry Platt's article about Larry Krasner. I think it's an eye-opener about the future of criminal justice in Philadelphia. Will do. Thanks, Sam. Rich. Matt, on May 4th, the Center for Grieving Children here in Philadelphia is having an amazing art exhibit. Children of Trauma have actually created art as a way of coping with their uh, having seen either gun violence or the loss of a close uh, loved one. Really amazing. If you want information on it, grievingchildren.org or look at my Facebook page or my Twitter feed and it's just support this event. It's, a, it's extraordinary. Okay. Thanks, Rich. Allison. So the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District has finally been sworn in and appointed as leadership team this week, and I think uh, we should all be watching that office over the next month to see uh, some major news coming out of uh, the U.S. Attorney's office. Okay. Allison, welcome to the program. Thanks, you. You've made it through an episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for watching. And remember to listen to the Inside Story podcast, which is posted after this show airs. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on Google Play, wherever you have uh, your podcast streaming. And also listen to my Travel Mug podcast, which is, talks about interesting things you might like to know. George, Rich, Allison, Sam, thanks to all of you. And thanks for watching. I'm Matt O'Donnell. I'll see you later on on Inside Story. And also Monday morning on Action News beginning at... 4.30 a.m. Bye-bye.